0: it's also Where is it? Oh, he's sitting there talking. Well, good morning, Capital City. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Isn't it a beautiful day? Aren't you so glad that the rain stopped and the sky? I, I told Cale on the way to the church this morning, it's, so, it's too pretty. This, we're not in Ohio anymore. It's, <laughs> we
1: clearly have flown and gone somewhere else. So um, we're going to get ready and, and worship our Lord this morning. If you want to stand with us, it's so good to see you all. I'm so excited to be at church today. So here we go.
0: I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight so the weight of your glory I don't want chanter I was an orphan Now you call me a citizen of heaven When I was
1: to all the moms. Moms of children who are still at home, or all grown up. Moms who've outlived a son or daughter, or moms of babies they never got to hold. Moms who've raised kids all on their own, or became a mom to someone who needed one. Moms of children who have wandered from God, or the longing to be moms who are still waiting. God perfectly arranged each of you into the role you have today. His word recognizes you as capable, strong, and praiseworthy. Everything you do makes our lives more beautiful. Happy Mother's Day.
2: Happy, happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers here, and in just a little while, uh, we are going to give you a a special gift, and we're going to have special prayer for you, but we just want to say welcome to each one of you today, and happy, happy Mother's Day. Uh, I'm going to speak to you this morning about uh, something that maybe uh, you've never heard before, It's Mother's Day, but we're going to talk about not just mothers, but also um, just women in general. And so I'm going to talk to you today. We're talking about the portrait of a great church, and I want you to know a great church understands the important role of women. Would every woman say amen? And let's just pray as amen and thank God for those that are praying today and we just thank God for them. And I I just want to give a prayer. We had so many wonderful, some were wonderful victories around the altar today as as we were praying and giving God thanks for wonderful things that he's done and uh, others that have great burdens and concerns. And so let's just bow our heads for just a moment And just ask God to help us. Now, Father, if we knew all the things that were carried into this sanctuary this morning, both things of praise and things of concern and things of difficulty, things, Lord, of people facing surgery or Things of people having victory over uh, various things or people who have come in a great and a mighty way and and you have answered prayer. Those that are waiting for prayers to be answered. Those that are seeking God. Those who have found God. Those who are walking in light. Those who are trying to uh, find their way to get closer to God. And Lord, I'm so grateful that if you dress the lilies with such beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you? If he cares for every sparrow, how much more does he love you? How much more does he love you? More than we can ask, think, or imagine. And so, Lord, I just pray today on, this Mother's Day, this beautiful Lord's Day, that you will just minister to each one of us today. Lord, I'm so aware that Mother's Day is a day that can be full of joy. It can be a day that is full of sorrow. It can be a day that is extremely hard to bear. It can be a day that is... Uh, the best day of the year. And Lord, we just know that as we come together, that we all come together as the family and the body of Christ, and and we don't all see everything exactly the same. Lord, I just pray today that you'll minister to us, and I pray you'll speak to us, and may our hearts be blessed in Christ Jesus' For we ask it in Jesus' name and for His sake. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, the importance of the role of women in the church. Let me just begin by saying that uh, today we do celebrate Mother's Day. And it is uh, obviously a very important day. It is a day... I guarantee you, if you go to eat today, every restaurant will be filled. You can't find a place to sit down. You can't find a place to, to go anywhere. I, I mean, you know, mothers are are being taken out. Uh, it is a day when every child calls or comes and, and wishes Happy Mother's Day. It is a day when gifts and cards are given. Um from children, and I learned my lesson many years ago when my daughter was about four um, that I heard my dad used to say uh, to my mother uh, when it was Mother's Day that he didn't buy her a card because she was not his mother. And I said that to Connie and it didn't go over very well. And, and so I got in my car, and uh, if any of you remember the old Circleville L and K restaurant, there was nothing open on Mother's Day Sunday except L and K. So I went up there and found a little card that said something about uh, "I appreciate you," and that didn't do any better either. And so, uh, uh, so, but it's a day when everyone gets a card. It's a day when flowers are given. It's a day, really when the whole world stops for just a little while. Now, I know you will not detect any bitterness in this, but Father's Day, I got a call one day from my daughter and said, Dad, there will be a card coming sometime this week. We forgot about it, and it will be coming sometime this week. Um, you can eat in any restaurant you want to, and you never have to call even ahead uh, for a reservation on Father's Day. And, uh, and uh, without any problem, and, and the world just keeps on going and says, uh, oh, is it Father's Day? And in fact, I had one lady today say to me, happy Mother's Day. And I said, well, I don't think that's too appropriate. Said, well, I'm just telling you now, happy Father's Day in case I forget it. And so, <laughs> yeah, I got it. No. It is right and honorable that we honor our mothers and the mothers of our children. It is something that I take very seriously. My mother went to heaven um, two years ago and we have a little flower that uh, sits in our living room that reminds us or a little candle about a a life that was well lived. And I am so grateful for mothers. I am grateful for those of you that are here today. And I just want you to know that mothers and women have a very important role in the church of Jesus Christ. We are living in a day, and this is not being political. This is just being truthful. We are living in a day when the role and the very identity of womanhood is being questioned. I mean, when we have a high-ranking official in the United States government when asked what a woman was, said that without a biologist he could not answer that question. I mean, you think, what is going on here? When many are confused about the gender they are and the gender they want to be and even some trying to get little tiny girls, six and seven, to understand that maybe they don't want to be little girls or they don't want to be little boys and and there is a lot of confusion. And this one may be uh, one of the most preposterous, that they are trying to convince us that men can now give birth. I mean, I just want you to know it's okay if we don't do that. (laughs) I mean, it's all right. We have been, I've been there. It's okay if that is reserved for ladies. I want you to know. I mean, think of that. And I think one of the worst insults that I have heard in Maybe to mothers in my life is that they are no longer called mothers but birthing people. God help us. In the light of all of this, I want you to know I gladly, gladly, gladly go back to the book of Genesis. We're going to read another little passage, but let me just read what the Bible has to say. The Lord Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord warned, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of that fruit, you'll die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I did have a conversation with Melvin Maxwell's second wife, and her name, as she was caring for Brother Maxwell after his first wife, Laura, that was a mother to many of us at Circleville Bible College, when she passed away, um, she became Brother Maxwell's second wife and and really cared for him until his death. And as as Connie and I were walking out one day, I said, I just want to thank you, Betty, for loving and caring for a hero of the faith like Melvin Maxwell and she looked up at me and said you know the Bible says it is good for man not to live alone and I said yes I I know that she said it didn't. Or it didn't say that about the woman. Only about the man. That is good. That man don't live alone, and we understand that because we men cannot survive. Uh, we, we. I mean. I mean. It's just the way it is. We can't survive without the women. I mean. You know. I. I, we'll, I better get going. And so. Uh, uh, <clears throat> so it said. Here's what the Lord said. I will make a helper, who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed the ground, all the wild animals and the birds, brought them to man to see what he would call them. Man chose a name for each one. He gave the names to the livestock, all the birds of the way. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out of one of the man's ribs from his side, not his head, so that the woman would badger it over him, not out of his heel, so that the woman would be under his heel, but out of the side to be his helper. And the Bible says that, uh, that when, and the Lord God took one of man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. Now, some of you remember me using the name of Dorothy Meadows. She had jokes and funny stories about everything under life. And Dorothy Meadows was one of the most godly women I know. So if she could tell this uh, two stories, I think I could tell it. And you understand them. The first one was, she came to me one day at my office. She said, David, do you know why woman is called woman? <laughs> well, Not exactly. I said, you know, the Bible says, I think it means taken out of the sight. said, oh, no, 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 that's not it. After Adam went to sleep and after the Lord took a rib from Adam and formed this perfect creature, Eve, and brought Eve to Adam, Adam's first response was, whoa, man. (laughs) Okay. The other one that she used to love to tell was that after Eve was given to Adam, that Adam was walking with the Lord one day and said, Lord, why did you make Eve so beautiful? Well, Adam, that's so, she would lo- or you would love her. Oh. Lord, why did you make her skin so silky and smooth and and her eyes so beautiful, Adam, so you would love her? Lord, I do have one question. Why did you make her so dumb? (laughs) The Lord said, so she would love you. More truth in that than we know, right? And so and so brought him, in, he brought her to the man and at last the man exclaimed this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken from the man this explains why a man leaves his father and mother joined to his wife and the two are united into one now the man and his wife were both naked amor, and they were not ashamed and the Bible goes very clearly that male and female created he them I don't understand how it takes a PhD to understand that but as for me I choose to believe the Bible version of where we are, and I thank God uh, for our women. And so let me just also say that uh, in the light of this day, I gladly and joyfully want to honor our mothers. Now, I want to honor our mothers, and then in just a moment, uh, the church has a gift for every mother. But may I just tell you we honor mothers today because God designed mothers to give life. Everybody you look at, the worst derelict on the street, wherever anyone is, that one day was a mother's son or a mother's daughter that loved him and cared for him and hoped great hopes for him. So mothers, God designed mothers to give life. God designed mothers to nourish children, designed women to be the indispensable element of growth, maturity, and the beautiful process of transforming an infant into a young man or woman. God designed mothers to love children. I love this statement. A mother's love is unconditional bottomless, and the very ground on which every human being stands as they first make sense of the world. God designed mothers to instruct in wisdom. I suppose everyone here knows what it's like to need a mother's advice and sometimes a listening ear. Mothers are designed to be cherished. God places a premium on cherishing mothers. Honoring your mother is not just a wise decision. It is a divine command. Well, my mother wasn't very good. Honor her where you can. Honor her for giving you life. And then God created mothers to make families orderly. I think it's an amazing thing and I can go back to my college days or I could go back to other days when uh, I was at CBC and I stayed in a room with a guy name of Don Crooks And uh, to say that we were not orderly would be the understatement of the century. And I don't know how we found anything in that room. And uh, Don's mother asked us one time or said to us one time, I have no idea how you boys come out of that room looking like you look the way that room looks. But my mother would come in. And when she would leave, I think, wow. This is the way things are supposed to look. You know, this is the way. Now, it had been better if mom taught me to do that. But mothers usually are able to, to bring uh, order out of chaos. Mothers have a unique ability to enter the chaos and restore order. Mothers are graceful. Mothers were designed to bring grace to every situation. Mothers are a gift and were designed to be a, a gift from God. Listen to this. God put mothers on earth because He knew He could not be everywhere in the flesh. So He gave all of us mothers to care and love us. So here's what I'd like to do. Those of you that are giving out gifts, would you take your your baskets and get to your sections now? And if you come to your And so they can see you coming, so you're not surprising them? And uh, here's what I'd like to have happen. Just stop for just a minute. And uh, I would like to have at this point every mother to stand. Would every mother stand. And we have a gift for you. And so would you go ahead and, and give them out to the mothers that are standing. Every mother that is standing. And remain standing if you will. If you can, just remain standing unless it's just too hard. Remain standing, every mother. just a second, we will all give them what we appreciate them for. Isn't this a great group of mothers? Amen. Sure, give them a hand. We need to tell our mothers. I think if we don't have enough, I promised that we will, uh, yeah, we'll, we're going to remain staying just a moment for the mothers. If we don't have enough, then uh, we will give you a mug with, with Ghirardelli chocolates. But every mother, we want every mother to get a. Yeah, yeah I'll take that one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want the compact, I, I, wanna, I want Ghirardelli chocolates. <laughs> Every mother. All right. Have we, uh, has every mother received a gift? Anyone else that's not got a gift? All right, now here's what I want us to do. I know your mother may or may not be here. But I want those of you that are either part of a family or a friend. You may not even, uh, um, you, you know, you may be here kind of alone, but that's okay. Either part of a family or a friend. And I want the rest of us to all stand. And I want you, if you are related to one of these mothers... I want you to look at them and to ask them this question have I told you lately how much I love you and how much I appreciate you okay I know you guys wouldn't do that if I didn't tell you everybody stand and say that okay have I told you how much I love you and how much I appreciate you (laughs) and no jokes no jokes have I told you today How much I love you and how much I appreciate you. Every mother get a hug somewhere from somebody. That is so good. All right. Now just stay where you are. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put your hands on them if you're family or friends. Put your hands on their shoulder. And then we're going to pray for mothers, okay? We're going to pray for mothers. So let's pray together, okay? Our Father, as we come before you today, we want to thank you today for our mothers. Lord, we thank you for their investment in lives. We thank you for the long hours they spend. We thank you, Lord, for the years that they have given. And Lord, every mother that is in this place deserves to be honored. Father, thank you for our mothers. Thank you for what they bring in our lives. Thank you for how they've provided. Thank you for how how they've blessed. Thank you for how they have cared for us. Thank you how they have nourished us. Thank you, Lord, even though they may not be perfect, and it's hard for everyone to be perfect, and no one is perfect. And Lord, thank you for the best efforts that they gave, and thank you for our mothers. And Lord, we just today pray a blessing upon them. We pray that you will bless them and bless them indeed and enlarge their territory. I pray that you will keep your Hand upon them. I pray that, Lord, you will keep them from evil and harm and sin. And I pray that you will help them not to cause pain or experience pain and that they will be honorable vessels of the Lord. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's give our mothers a great clap offering. Of. Mothers, we love you. Somebody might say, Well, my mother didn't do it all right. I I doubt if there's a mother alive that did it all right. Well, she didn't didn't do everything I needed, I know. But I tell you what, if you have a mother or someone who cares about you, I tell you what, it's worth coming to church, mothers, just for that. Amen? Amen. Just to hear it's okay. One more time. Let's give a give a great clap offering. <laughs> to our mothers. And just tell them that they're loved and tell them how much you love them and how much you appreciate them. And we are so grateful for our mothers. Well, I want to just take a few minutes, and I I promise that we're not going to be long. I I know you want to beat the Baptist to lunch today, and uh, so uh, I'll I'll try to help you with that a little bit if I can. But I started this series a week ago entitled A Portrait of a Great Church, and I said last week that a great church is a spirit-filled church. And what a wonderful service. I don't know that I'm still over all that happened last week. It was a wonderful, wonderful outpouring of God's Spirit. And uh, we speak Jesus over all of you today. And so we thank you for all of that. But it is also true that in the book of Acts... Now, I, I just want to set this context for just a moment. And even clear back to the book of Genesis... This is from history, and I hear in our culture that the Bible is repressive to women. I hear that. I hear that we are chauvinists in the church towards women, and our attitudes towards women is demeaning, but I want to challenge that. Because you see, in the Old Testament, I'm not saying it's right, it wasn't right, it was terribly wrong, but in the Old Testament, women were viewed as property and could be sold and bartered just at whatever whim. In the Old Testament culture, women were pushed aside and were basically good to be slaves or birthing people. In the Old Testament culture, it was not uncommon. Think about Solomon, and I, I, I tell you what, sometimes they say he's the wisest man in the world. He would have had to be 1,000 wives. Can you imagine, guys? 1,000 people telling you to take the trash out every night. Can you imagine that? Whoa. And so in the Old Testament culture women were not viewed as important and valuable to the culture. When you get to the Roman Empire, it wasn't much better. The women at that time were actually viewed as servants or uh, concubines. And in fact, it was said in the Roman Empire that when People would, and when a a woman would bear birth to a daughter because they all wanted sons, they would take their daughters to the square in Rome and leave them there to die. Women were literally with no rights, no one really sought much, at least officially. Women's council, I'm sure, in other areas, and there were a few exceptions uh, when you think about uh, Cleopatra and some of those, but that was the exception, not the rule. And the Roman Empire put their value on sons, and women were basically slaves, and, and literally just their role was to just simply do what they were told. In the Bible, however, and we're going to look at this for just a few minutes. It won't take long. But in the Bible, when you look at this, clear back in the Old Testament, God recognized the importance of women in the kingdom. When you look then, even at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus raised the level of womanhood until they were put on par. And the early church that was birthed on the day of Pentecost, listen to what the Bible says about how God views women in the church. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Now, listen to this. This was revolutionary. If you think that what we do today is revolutionary, this was as countercultural as it got upon your sons and your daughters, and they will prophesy. That means they're going to preach. Go on a little further. Your young men will see visions. That's Jonathan, who's coming June 1st. Your, your old men will dream dreams. That's me. It was, it was ending up on May 22nd, but to be here. In those days, I will pour out of my spirit, even on my servants. Listen to this. Men and women alike. Who had ever heard of such a thing in that culture? goes on to say, and they will prophesy. And then in verse 21, it says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Women, I want you to know, God has always held you in great value. I want you to know that. I want you to know the gospel has always held you in highest value. Jesus did more to liberate and to raise the level of womanhood than any other person on earth. And when you look at where the Christian gospel has gone, women and womanhood found a place that they had never found in the the ancient societies where they were looked at. In fact, I think uh, Pastor Deb could tell you that she grew up in Papua New Guinea and the guys would sit around in the tent and they would talk And the women to go out and dig all the work and take all care of all the pigs, fix all the food, do all the stuff. Is that right, Deb? And we thought we were liberated. I mean, something's wrong with us, you know. I mean, understand, wherever the gospel has gone, womanhood has been valued. And I just want to give you a few women in the Bible that we can learn a great deal from today. I want you to look at this. The first one is Mary, the mother of Jesus. What a marvelous, marvelous thing that God wanted his son to come through a woman. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, We learn from Mary, the mother of Jesus, that nothing is impossible with God. When Mary asked the question, how can this be? The angel said, nothing is impossible with God. That's good for men and women together. Go a little further this is back in the Old Testament, and her name is Ruth, and she was the Moabite. Her husband died. Ruth was a Gentile. Her, her mother-in-law, Naomi, was a Jew, and when her son died, Naomi headed back, and Ruth, even though she knew she would be an outsider, Even though Ruth knew in her heart and her mind that she would go into a culture, she said words that sometimes we say in weddings, but it was really given uh, to other people. And it was given to Naomi when she said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you, for your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you lodge, I will lodge. And where you dwell, I will dwell. What she was saying is, I am committed to you even though it's going to create many, many problems, notice what Ruth's, we find out with Ruth. Ruth the Moabite helps us understand that commitment, even though hard, brings blessing. Commitment, even though hard, brings blessing, even now. When we go third, if we can get that slide up, that would really be a great help. Um, Ruth, Yes, thank you, thank you. Ruth the Moabite just tells us that commitment brings blessing. And then we go to Mary Magdalene. And look at Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, as far as we can tell, was a prostitute. And as far as we knew, Mary Magdalene was covered in demons and all the different things that was going on. And yet Jesus forgave Mary Magdalene, forgave her of her sin, raised her up. She was the first one he appeared to when he rose from the dead. And what do we learn from Mary Magdalene? Here's what we learn, that God can forgive your sins and forgive your past and And make something very beautiful out of your life. If you say today, my life is so messed up. My life is so far gone. My life is so mixed up. And God's saying, take it from Mary Magdalene. I can forgive whatever you've walked through. I can take it from whatever things you've had. And I can forgive your past. And I can make something beautiful out of your life. Don't become hopeless today. Look at Rachel, the wife of Jacob. Jacob was the one who was in love with Rachel and went to her father Laban and said, if I work seven years, can I marry Rachel? And he said, yes, you can. You talk about a long engagement, seven years. That's a long time working the farm. And he worked the farm for seven years. And then Laban tricked him and gave him his oldest daughter Leah and not Rachel And then he came back and said, what do I have to do to get Rachel? You have to work seven more years. I know Eric and Kayla are about to get married and they think they've had a long time of it, but how would you like to have 14 years going through all of this, waiting and hoping and trusting and and thinking? But we learn from Rachel. And I want to tell you this, waiting on God is worth the wait. Waiting on God is worth the wait. You say, there's no one in my life right now. The waiting on God is worth the wait. Don't get all uh, in a hurry. Don't go out and just find whatever comes. Waiting on God is worth the wait. Amen. Look then at Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Hannah, the mother of Samuel. And when we understand Hannah, the mother of Samuel, she was without child. And she would go year after year after year. And she would pray and pray and pray until the priest thought she was drunk. And no, I'm not drunk. I'm praying for a son. And I promise that if God will give me a son, I will give him to the Lord. Here's what we learned from Hannah that God will answer, Mother, listen to me. If things are all mixed up in your house right now, Hannah answers, God will answer our fervent prayers for our children even though it seems like we're waiting a long time and seems like there's no way to find an answer and there's no way that we can get it. Hannah understands and tells us that God answers the fervent prayers of mothers for children. And then let's look at the mother of all mankind, Eve. Eve is a very interesting study, perfect in every way put in a perfect situation. Literally everything was paradise. But she opted to sin and opted to give in to sin. And you know the horrendous things that have come in our world because of sin. I want to talk to you ladies especially, younger ladies and all and, and ladies, and men as well. We learn from Eve that sin can destroy the most beautiful person and the most beautiful circumstances. I have watched people, and again, my dear colleague and friend, Dorothy Meadows, used to say sometimes it was a curse if if, if a girl was really beautiful because everybody wanted to to be with her and do all these things. And And we have watched over the years people that were stunningly beautiful. But when sin makes its way into that life, things begin to change. Countenance begins to change. Life begins to change. And beauty begins to fade and beauty begins and and you begin to wonder until one day you look in the mirror and say, what happened to that person I was? I just want to tell you, sin will destroy the beauty. It will destroy the beauty of anything it touches. It may not happen that minute, but just trust me. Learn from Eve. That sin will destroy the most beautiful things. Then in the Old Testament, there's Deborah, who was the judge. And Deborah, here we are, and all the other men were, and all the other judges were, uh, were men, and they were carrying the banner, and what could a woman do? But God reached down and chose Deborah to lead the V to become a judge. And women, and we learn from Deborah that women can become powerful leaders and bring about revival. Ladies, never think that your role is diminished in the kingdom of God. And then look, if you will, at Esther the queen, who had risen to be queen, and her own father-in-law and others were going to be killed on the gallows. And they said, Esther, you're the only one that can address the king and save all this. And Esther was terrified because if she went in and displeased the king, he would have her killed. But Esther, knowing that her whole family and people rested on her shoulders, Made a very courageous decision and said, If I perish, I perish. And went in. And we learn from Esther that courage in the face of danger brings great victory. What, we, what shall we say about Miriam? Miriam, the, the sister of Moses, who went down and found Moses who was floating on, on the river and picked him up out of the basket, took him to the princess, and took, and took Moses into Pharaoh's daughter and then said to her, perhaps I need to find someone of the Hebrews who can nourish this child. And Pharaoh's daughter said, that's a good idea. So Miriam goes out and finds Moses' mother and brings him back in. And Moses' mother gets to train him in all the ways of God right in the palace. What an amazing thing. But we learn from Miriam that caring for a child can change the world. You don't know what that little child you hold in your arms or that little kid you're chasing around today can bring about. Caring for a child can change the world. Then, this will help for some of us, Sarah, the wife of Abraham. And when we look at Sarah, the wife of Abraham, we begin to understand that Sarah was 90 years old when she gave birth. Wow. That's a new meaning. And Abraham was 99. I mean, you know, whoa. I mean, that's, uh, uh, I don't think I could take that today. Uh, and I'm a long way from there. But let me tell you with Sarah. Here's what we learned from Sarah. And I want you to repeat this after me. You are never too old to make a difference. Now, let's say it together. You are never too old to make a difference. Will you say it one more time? You're never too old to make a difference. Oh, I've done everything I should. I want to sit down now. No, no, no. You're never too old to make a difference for God. And then you look at Elizabeth. This is John the Baptist's mother. Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother. And when we begin to understand with Elizabeth, Elizabeth had not had children for all of these years and all of these years. And yet, John the Baptist was miraculously conceived in her older age. And when John the Baptist was born, he then began uh, to preach about the ministry of Christ and began to be the forerunner of Christ. What do we learn? from Elizabeth just this and I want you to say this with me too previous failure Does not need to define you. Let's say it together. Previous failures need not define you. Previous failures need not define you. No matter how many times you've fallen short. No matter how many times you've fallen down. No matter how many times you think, I just can't do it. There is no hope. There is no possibility in my life. Previous failures does not define you. And then there was a Priscilla, her and her husband Aquila. Priscilla was the one who gave teaching and help to uh, Apollos, who was a great preacher. And Apollos was preaching, but Aquila and Priscilla sat down and talked to them and said, let us show you the Word of God in a more excellent way. Can I just tell you with Priscilla, That what we learn from Priscilla is speaking the truth in love can raise up a new generation. Speaking the truth in love can raise up a new generation. Only two more. Mary of Bethany. Remember Mary when Jesus was there and, and Mary was was working and, and she, was wor- or she was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha was getting all ready to do all the different things that were going on and, and Martha was working and working and working and, and Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and Martha finally got rather indignant and said, Master, tell her to quit doing that. Quit praying and, and, and come and help me fix dinner. Sounds reasonable. But Jesus said No. Mary hath chosen what is right and that will not be taken from her. What do we learn from Mary? That taking time for worship is always the best choice. Even if your house is a little dirty, even if something else needs to be picked up another day, Taking time to worship is always the right and the best choice. And then the last one. The last one is Martha, her sister. And Martha was the one who was doing all the things of fixing the meal, cleaning the house, and running around like sometimes uh, we all feel like doing, that, that we are running around and, and doing all these things and, and working and working and working and working, and, and no one else helps us. And we think by doing a whole lot of serving, we're pleasing God. And, and there's a point where that's true. But here's what we learn from Martha. Martha. That serving must never take the place of worship. Let me say that to especially many of the women in the church today because you do so much. You do so much in the church. You do so much for the church. You do, I mean, it is truly amazing what happens. And I watch as, as some of our ladies that cook the food and the ladies that set up things and, and, and run the departments and all the things that are going in. I just want you to know all of that's beautiful. But serving alone can never take the place of worship. I want to close today, and I want to say this. I say it with a broken heart, but I I know it's true. As we conclude this Mother's Day and looking at the importance of the role of women in the church and in the kingdom, there is a brutal. And there is a malicious effort today in our culture attacking the pillars, two great pillars on which the whole culture is built. It is not coincidence. It is not enlightenment. It is coming after the two pillars that hold this society up. The first, and you'll be surprised that I put this first, is the family. There is an all-out and malicious effort today in any way possible to destroy The family. Family was created before the church. God understood that for something to be strong and something and for mankind to flourish as they should, that the family unit is not just a good idea. It's sacred. And when people start talking about, oh, what's marriage is a piece of paper? I want to get down and cry and say, no, marriage is not a piece of paper. Marriage is a sacred covenant between two people that was instituted before God himself. When children are no longer there with the institution of the family when other things begin to take place to teach the children and others begin to feel it is their role to teach the children outside of the home there is a problem when you think about all of the social ills and and I could go on and on and on until you'd say well David you're, you're trying to get into a political thing I'm not I'm just telling you there is an all-out assault against the family it is not just enlightenment It is a design, it is a design, it is a designed attack to destroy the family. And some of us are going to have to stand up like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The second pillar that is being destroyed or tried to be destroyed is the pillar of faith i think it's interesting that we can tolerate everything around the world but talking about jesus i think it's interesting that we can tolerate every every crazy philosophy that comes down the road except if you dare to talk about jesus i mean something's wrong with you if you try to bring Jesus into the marketplace, I mean, we're going to silence you one way or another. I want you to understand. And one day, someone standing here saying these things, maybe someone will say it online, cart me off to jail. But I just want you to know, whatever happens, this is true. This is the word of God. And the devil is trying to destroy family and he's trying to destroy faith. And if we just sit by and watch it happen, our children will grow up in a world should Jesus tarry that we will never recognize. Now, several years ago, and We did something last week and i'm going to try it again though this is not something we want to make a a practice of several years ago i attended a number of promise keeper and i've mentioned this to you different times and over the years we would make promises there were seven promises of a promise keeper and one was to honor god one was to uh, honor his wife and his family and one was to honor his church and, and that kind of thing but I'll never forget in more than one setting the first time I heard it was in Indianapolis and there were over 70,000 men and we all stood together and ladies I love to hear you sing I really do There, I do But I tell you what, there was something when 70,000 men began to sing. And one of the songs that they sang was called the Family Prayer Song. Let me just, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Some of you may know it. If you know it, that's okay. But I'm going to invite moms and dads and single people and other people that we're going to come as this this video plays and I want us to take a stand as for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, as much as it depends on me, I can't make it for everyone else, but as much as it depends on me, Here's what the song says. Come and fill our homes with your presence. You alone are worthy of our reverence. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Lord, we vow to live holy, bowing our knees to you only. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Staying together, praying together, any storm we can weather, trusting in God's Word. We need each other, fathers and mothers, sisters and brothers, in harmony and love. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm going to walk down here in the front. I'm going to ask Connie to join me. And I want us to take hands, and I want us to sing this, and I want to invite every one of you that will, mother, father, son, daughter, single mom, single person, grandmother, mother's gone, husband's gone, whatever, if this is your heart, I want you to come and pray for us. Would you play the video, please? stand and coming. Will you join us here? Father, over every household today, over every home, over every person that's grieving over a broken situation today, over every person that is starting out fresh and new, over every person, Lord, that has gone the distance, every person that is striving to understand. Lord, help us to make a determination as much as it depends upon me as for me and my house we will serve the lord give us grace in these days not to be ugly not to be uh, politically minded but give us grace to stand for truth in a right way give us grace not to get political but to give us grace lord to stand on the principles of firm foundation uh, Give us grace to understand that if God be for us, who can be against us? And we dare to hold to that today in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. And all God's people said together, amen. Give God one more praise offering and you may be seated. You may be seated. keep having services like this I don't know what we're going to do here so uh, God is good God is good all the time Connie would you bring me a bulletin I thought I had one here but I don't we're going to come to you at this time for our morning offering and there are several things I need to mention and then the worship team thank you so much dear isn't she the best mother and the best person in the world? Amen. And I'd like to have our ushers take their place, if they will. And we'll wait on you. I want to say to those of you that are worshiping online, thank you so much for joining us today. And I pray if you're a mother or a woman or you're gathered together as a family, May you feel the Lord's blessing and goodness to you today. We wish God's blessing on you. So God bless you as you take your leave. You'll find how to give to the church on the announcement slide. I do want to just mention before we take the offering that there are a number of things we want to mention to you. Uh, Beginning uh, next week, May the 15th, right after church, and I'll be talking to a number of you. Uh, We're doing a Growth Tracks class, and this will help you to understand about the church. You don't have to become a member, but it will help you to understand more about the church, and if you want to become a member, it will prepare you. Also want to mention that uh, next week we'll be taking a church extension offering, which goes to help struggling and new churches, and that will be next week. May the 22nd will be the baptism service, and uh, we want you to come to be a part of that. And then on—Cassie, are you here? Yes. On the 22nd, on the evening of of May the 22nd, we're going to have a celebration. Now, it will be my final Sunday as your interim pastor, and then we're going down. uh, We'll be away a couple of weeks, and then be back. And Pastor John,